The gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. You can turn in your own Bible and find it there. Verse 16 is where we're going to start, or you can follow along on the screen. So here, Jesus' last words in the gospel of Matthew to his disciples. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you even to the end of the age. In the name of the this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, to, um, to, no worries at all. <laughs> Several years ago, my wife Jennifer and I were uh, up in Montgomery, where we're both from, where her parents still live. And we went uh, up there for a long weekend, and I can't remember if it was Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend. I know that it had to be the summer, and I know that it couldn't have been the absolute height of summer, because the, Mo the Montgomery Symphony Orchestra was doing an outdoor concert, and no one does that in July in Montgomery. And um, I remember that we only had one child at the time, Elsa, our, our, uh, our eighth grader. She's, she was about two years old at the time. And as f I don't remember that Elsa had any particular interest in symphony orchestras at that age, but we had a deep interest in giving her space to roam and wander and having safe spaces where, safe spaces where she could just kind of... Um, get a little away from us for a little bit. And so the symphony orchestra was doing this concert in downtown Montgomery, and it was advertised as child-friendly, kid-friendly, and so we went down there with Jennifer's parents and uh, orienting this way. So the, the, the symphony orchestra, they were performing on the steps of the Archives and History Building there in Montgomery. And so they were on these steps, and that was kind of across the street from where we are. And then in the street, which had been closed off, were all the seats for all the respectable and respectful people uh, who were coming to hear the symphony orchestra play. And then here on this side of the street was the south lawn of the Montgomery Capitol Building, which spread out really wide, and that's where all the parents were with all their kids. We had our picnic blankets rather than our folding chairs or the, the more substantial seats, and we were just letting our kids enjoy it while we enjoyed being outside and having a, a safe space for kids to just kind of get away for a little bit. And the orchestra starts playing, and I notice something very early on. I see this one kid, old enough that he probably should have known better somewhere around like seven or eight. He was old enough that he should have been at that stage of life where you start beginning to realize that other people see you when you do stuff. But he seemed blissfully unaware. <laughs> he wandered from the lawn where all the kids were and he kind of made his way through the, the, uh, the chairs and he looked very respectable and respectful himself. He had on his polo shirt and uh, navy shorts. I remember that for whatever reason. 
But then he, he started walking towards the symphony and then he, he turned left and there was this marble platform right beside the steps of the, the archives, uh, this big black marble platform that is kind of a terrace thing. And he just decided that was going to be his dance floor. He made his way through the crowd and he climbed up on there and he started just dancing along with whatever the symphony was playing. And just as he was just old enough that you'd think he'd be a little bit more self-conscious, he was also maybe just on the, the oldest edge to dance the way that he danced. It was more kind of a toddler dance, you know, just kind of throw his arms back and, and wobble like that. No rhythm to it. And he'd just kind of wander back and forth across this, this platform just totally lost in the music, enjoying every note that was being played. And if that doesn't speak to what summer should be, I don't know what it what does. We're almost there, everybody. Teachers, I see some of you. We're almost there. Students, we're almost there. Dads, moms, we're almost there. The end is very close. We're about to get to that point where the rhythms, the drum beats get a little bit looser <laughs> and everything doesn't feel quite so rigid. Commuters, Old Shell Road and Airport Boulevard are about to have a lot more room for you. Your commuting window is about to get a little bit looser. You don't have to hit this window or inevitably be late. That's what we're looking for. The the end is in sight, that moment when we just get a little bit more freedom, a little bit more wiggle room. We're almost to the end. And we're almost also to the end of the Easter season. I mentioned as we were reading this gospel lesson that these are Jesus' final words to the disciples before his ascension that we'll talk about next week. He's gathered them in Galilee, he's there on the mountain, and he gives them one last command and one last promise, which is the part we often leave out. If you spend a lot of time around Christians, if you've heard this passage before, you know this is one of the big ones, you know that this one is so familiar, we talk about this one so much that this is one of those passages in the Bible that we give its own nickname. We call it like the Ten Commandments or the Beatitudes or, or some of the others, we call this one the Great Commission, it has a nickname. If you've ever heard a sermon on the Great Commission, you know that we, we tend to, to trot it out when it's time to really rally the troops, to get going, when it is time to get moving, to go, to move. When we need a lot of volunteers, we talk about the Great Commission. We want to remind us ourselves that church doesn't happen in the walls, but church happens everywhere, and that we are called to go and make disciples. We point to the Great Commission. We use this passage every time we want to tell the church, it's time to hit the road, time to get going. Keep going and don't stop till you've made disciples of every nation. But if you were listening a moment ago, you know there's not only a command in this passage. There's not only a commission. There's also a promise. If you were listening, you heard Jesus, in addition to giving marching orders, give a promise that says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if you only hear the command, but you don't hear the promise, you can be in danger of making a, a terrible mistake. You might hit the road and get going 
in the hope that one day when you get to the end of the road, that's when Jesus will show up. You might think or get it into your head that Jesus is somewhere ahead of you, that you'll find him, you'll reach him, you'll meet him, that he will show up in your life. He's like the reward that's waiting when you get to the end of your day, of your checklist, maybe of whatever season that you are in. But that is not his promise. Jesus did not promise that he will be there at the end. But instead, Jesus says very plainly, I am with you all the way and always to the end. One of the great 20th century saints, a woman named Dorothy Day, once put it this way in her, her spiritual autobiography. She said, we must live this life now because death changes nothing. If we do not learn to enjoy God now, we never will. If we do not learn to praise him and thank him and rejoice in him now, we never will. And then she added, remember what St. Catherine of Siena said when she said, all the way to heaven is heaven. Because Jesus has said, I am the way. All the way to heaven is heaven. Because Jesus has said, I am the way. I think of that little toe-headed boy up there on that platform all those years ago. And I think how silly it, it is for us ever to think that Jesus came or that God has worked to tell us how to get to heaven. God is going to get us to heaven. Amen. But what he is trying to teach us is how to enjoy it. See, that little boy, he got to the concert just like everyone else did. Once he was there, he heard the same music. Everyone else did. But somehow, by some marvelous grace, he enjoyed the music in a way that very few others were able to. And here we are, every day, hurtling toward the same ends. And we know that at the end, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we want to enjoy it. We know we don't have to wait until the end to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. The promise of Easter, the promise of having a living God is that we don't have to wait, but that he is with us now, that Jesus shows up even now, and that at the end of, the all, at, of it all, the only thing Jesus asks of us is that we accept him, that we enjoy him, and we'd be willing to enjoy him for who he is rather than who we'd like him to be. I've told this story once before, a couple years ago, but I've never gotten over it. Story of a woman named Martha Dawn, who's a, passed away a couple years ago. She was a powerful and very wise theologian who told the story of her grandmother, German immigrant to America, devoted Lutheran church woman. And Martha Dawn loves to tell the story of how as her grandmother lay on her deathbed with the family attending her, uh, her grandmother began to sing. She began to sing an old song in German from the old Lutheran hymnal. And when she got to the end of that song, she just sang another one. And when she got to the end of that one, she sang another and another and another. And she kept it up for hours. And then Marva says that at the end of it all, 
her grandmother stopped and said, that is all I know. And those were her final words. Isn't that a powerful witness? That's the kind of witness that does not come in a moment. That does not come by a single moment. It's the kind of witness that comes from what Eugene Peterson talked about as the long obedience in the same direction. It comes from walking in the company of Christ every step of the way. Not waiting to believe that we will be in Christ's presence when we get to the end of all this. But to believe he is here right now. And that if we can accept him, and however he is showing up, we can learn to enjoy him even now. That's the kind of witness that has learned to trust in the word that Jesus said in this passage. That word, always. I'm always with you. It's not the kind of witness that says, I've made it to the top of the mountain and looks around and says, I did it. But it's instead the kind of witness that when we've reached whatever milestone or mountaintop we we encounter in our life, turns to Jesus and says, thank you. Thank you for bringing me all this way. It's probably not a coincidence that Marva Dawn's most famous book is called A Royal Waste of Time. And it's in there that she uh, accounts for a, a biblical spirituality of worship. And she says that worship loses its way. And we as worshipers miss out when we lose the Godward focus of worship. When we begin to treat it as the end for which, or as the means to some other end. When worship becomes only the means to some other end, we have missed that it was meant to be an invitation, an invitation to practice enjoying God. I can't help thinking on a day like today of the moment that the gospels tell us about when Jesus stood on a mountain above the city of Jerusalem and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather your children. Like a mother hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. And you were not willing. We continue all the time to act as though our real joy is going to come at the end, over the next hill, around the next bend, after we conquer the next challenge. And all the while, God is promising that the only true joy will come when we climb that hill, walk that bend, make it to the next challenge in the company of God and learn to enjoy him all the way through. But what if we could? What if we could learn to enjoy him on the way and not only at the end? What if we could learn to notice and enjoy every moment of grace and, trying, and instead of trying to keep it at bay until we've made everything perfect or we're perfectly ready or we've arrived at our destination? If we could do that, if we could learn to enjoy him all along the way, then I expect we would fill the great commission all by ourselves or by his grace rather. We would make disciples Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to enjoy the words of God. We would do it as a matter of course, simply because we have learned to enjoy them ourselves. And we would be a witness that says we have found the unexpected joy that is in exactly the places Jesus said we would find it. Not in those places that keep the rhythms of a relentless world. Because you know, I, I can't remember very much 
about that uh, little boy on that platform. I can't even remember if it was Memorial Day or Labor Day. I do remember one more thing. I remember how that kid kept dancing, song after song after song. And I remember I looked down at my watch and it was 39 minutes into the concert when the next child finally climbed up on there and joined him. And then another, and then another, and then another. And soon that impromptu dance floor was full of people enjoying the music and each song with new wonder as they danced on. To hear the music that had always been waiting for them ever since the first note had been played. So hear this again. The last promise Jesus made. I am with you always to the very end of the age. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.